must be some kind of way out of here Say the joker to the thief There's too much confusion I can't get no relief Hello and welcome back to Weird Comics History. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And we bring you some Weird Comics History every other week on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast feed. We show up Sunday morning before the regular podcast and you can eventually find us on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, and via Clock. Mm -hmm. Mm, What is that about? Uh, We have a very... Interesting episode for you today. Uh, this one is really, um, this was Chris's baby. He, he brought it up to me right after we did the You Decide event. Uh, and he, you know, he just wanted to do more Marvel stories and uh, started this. And it's been kind of like in the hopper for a while, but it's fascinating. Yeah. It's, a, it's about a, a, a forgotten piece of Marvel lore. So uh, we're going to get right into it. It's the strange story of the century. Mm-hmm. But before we get into the century, we need to talk to, about his creator, or his artist anyway, his co-creator. His, uh, his name was Artie Rosen. He was born in 1917. He was a Golden Age comic artist whose first work was published in 1941 for exciting comics. Uh, he had a higher profile run on Timely at the time, Marvel's uh, Crime Can't Win. Mm-hmm. Uh, he worked in the industry for about four decades, though you know he hadn't been heard of for quite a while around the turn of the century. Um, in an issue of Daredevil, this is volume two, the Marvel Knights edition, uh, issue number nine, uh, cover date July 1999, there was a note at the bottom of the letters page wherein Marvel asked their readers to send well wishes Rosen's way. Uh, he had fallen ill and it, uh, it was looking kind of grim. It read, well, that puts another lovely letters page to bed. Thanks all for the wonderful and not so wonderful feedback. We want to take this short bit of space to invite all of you to join us in sending sending off hearty well wishes to Artie Rosen and the Rosen family. Artie, for you younger readers, was instrumental during Marvel's formative years, uh, providing some of comics' most influential, yet least acknowledged pencil and ink work. Artie, you keep inspiring us, so get well soon. Our prayers are with you, and we'll see you in the funny books. Mm, And uh, unfortunately, as reported in Wizard Magazine number 103, that was April 2000, on page 27, it was announced that Artie passed away January 13, 2000, at the age of 83. So he did have a long life. Uh, the, head, the headline was, Artie Rosen passes away. Uh, some of the quotes are, the comic world has lost one of its elder statesmen, Artie Rosen, the artist best remembered for his work on Crime Can't Win for Marvel Atlas Comics and Love Experiences, uh, died January 13, 2000 from heart failure. He was 83. While the majority of his work was uncredited, Rosen's comic career spanned four decades from his debut in Exciting Comics in 1941 to his final work on Gold Key's Mod Wheels in the mid-1970s. He remained a staunch supporter of the industry following his retirement, and he was a fixture at comic conventions near his home in Brooklyn, New York. Stanley was quoted as saying, We were close, years ago, but I hadn't seen or heard from Artie in so many years. It came as a big shock to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, two months later, in a Wizard Magazine issue number 105 from June 2000, um, it was reported that uh, Rosen's widow, Blanche, had found a box labeled Marvel Comics among her husband's effects. Uh, it was full of old contracts and old comics and, you know, whatnot. And so she, you know, she sent it back to Marvel. 
And if you're going to have a uh, widow, Blanche is a good name. By the way, that's a great name. It's a great, a great name for a widow. <laughs> now uh, she sent this back to Marvel, and it, it kind of sat for a bit. It was just a box of you know old contracts and whatnot. Um, you know, what are they going to do with them, really? Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. It, she, she basically just just gave Marvel her garbage. You know. <laughs> yeah. Here, you throw this out. <laughs> uh, writer Paul Jenkins, while loitering around the Marvel offices, uh, he came across the box, um, started flipping through it, and inside was an obscure comic book that he had never heard of before. Mm. It was called Startling Stories, uh, issue number one, uh, cover dated 1961. The issue uh, featured the debut of a super powerful hero whose costume had an S emblazoned on the chest. This hero was to be Marvel's answer to the uh, distinguished competition's Man of Steel, and he was called the Sentry. Mm. Uh, or the Sentry, not the Century. No. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to be Sentry. Sentry, yeah. Sentry. Uh, this comic uh, predated what many consider as, you know, being the actual dawning of the Marvel Universe in Fantastic Four number one. Which was like sixty-two, right? Yeah, it would have been really. It was sixty-one still, but it was uh, but it was before. Oh, okay. And now, uh, also included in the box were character sketches of the Sentry, and they were all signed by Stan Lee and Artie Rosen. Uh, Paul Jenkins, along with artist Jay Lee, petitioned Marvel Knights head honchos Joe Quesada and Jimmy Palmiotti, as well as Stan Lee, to uh, resurrect this character, uh, who is the first Marvel superhero. And I, I assume we will eventually uh, talk about Marvel Knights and why that all happened. But but just to break yeah. it down, this is after Marvel had declared bankruptcy and they were really scrambling to, you know, get a leg in the market again. And so they did. They did. They handed off a bunch of their uh, characters and eventually, the, as I found out, the whole Marvel universe to a handful of creators: uh, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, and these guys. Yeah. Um, well, that was uh, that was Heroes Reborn. Oh right, then, right. Uh, yeah, and then uh, then this, they this was the after back. that. That's what I'm mistaking. Yeah. Yeah, and then the the Marvel Knights was actually they licensed. I don't know if it was an exact license or they just used um, Jimmy uh, and Joe's company Event Comics, mm-hmm. where they did like Ash, the firefighting superhero. Yeah. Um, and uh, they pretty much were like the out of house in house imprint. It, it was it was a similar thing though for both yeah. you know but was was trying another comic production company give their hand at Marvel Comics, uh, yeah. but Marvel Knights was the uh, sort of the more I don't know be- better remembered of all these adventures of the time. I don't you know. Yes, absolutely. It was the most lucrative. It was uh, they, I mean they brought Kevin Smith in. They, right. They won a lot of Eisners. You know it, it was a it was a it was an exciting time. Yeah, and uh, we'll. we'll Get into more of that later on, but of course we're going to sure. do our usual creator bios. Uh, Paul Jenkins was born December 6, 1955, somewhere in the UK, as presumably on dry land. He studied <laughs> to become an actor, moved to the United States in 1988, and found work in Mirage Studios, which we know is the home of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, he was an editor and production manager there. Began pitching as a writer and landed a gig at DC Vertigo title Hellblazer in 1994, and he wrote the title for four years. In 1998, wrote one of the Marvel Knights launch titles, Inhumans, which garnered him an Eisner Award. This is a pretty well-remembered, nice run on the book. Um, Rescued the Incredible Hulk from John Byrne and Peter Parker, Spider-Man from Howard Mackey. Rescued, huh? Is that that a Chris... uh... (laughs) 
<laughs> that's a little bit of editorial. That's all right. That was, that's uh, fine. Those were some awful runs. I, I have a feeling, you know, there's a reason he, he uh, was, was given those. But uh, yes. in 2001, he wrote the first ever definitive origin for, war, war, for Wolverine in the Origin miniseries. Marvel was afraid that if they did not give him a proper origin, Hollywood would, which they would have and did uh, in their yes. way. But that's another <laughs> another story. Wrote a very misguided Captain America in one of the 6,000 Civil War tie-ins where Cap was considered out of touch for not knowing what MySpace was. That is to say, Cap was being interviewed, and the interviewer asked him what he thought about MySpace. A hard-hitting question. I know, really. This is, and to be honest, not unlike actual interviews you will see in the uh, media Sad today. <laughs> what's, what's your Facebook? Anyway, uh, jump back to D.C. at the launch of the New 52 initiative, and in February 2013 withdrew from D.C. and Marvel both and went boom exclusive. And in 2000 wrote the comics we'll be talking about uh the miniseries the century yes uh the artist uh, jay lee born in 1972 and probably dry land on, in korea <laughs> uh, <laughs> he started working at marvel in 1992 producing some art for the anthology series marvel comics presents before moving on to namor the submariner his art was quite a bit different from John Burns, who preceded him. Oh, yeah. Uh, he did some work on X Factor with uh, Peter David writing. Uh, he went on to Image, just like everyone else, or almost everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would return to Marvel. He drew that same uh, Eisner-winning uh, Inhumans miniseries and, of course, The Sentry. Uh, in the years that follows, his art was uh, featured in, Stan, uh, in the Stephen King Dark Tower books that Marvel put out. Uh, he was also part of the Before Watchmen project, uh, providing art for the Osmandias. How are we saying that? Osmandias. Uh, I say Osmandias, but I'm sure none of them are. Neither of them are right. So yes, <laughs> for Ozzy's miniseries. Yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> for for what we calling him, Mister Oz now? Adrian um, Vite. Uh, <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, he drew the opening arc for the New Fifty Two Batman Superman team up book in 2013, um, and that's where we are now. Uh, yep. Or thereabouts the sentry his name robert reynolds his first appearance is uh startling stories number one 1961 or maybe the sentry number one september 2000 mm. that's kind of all we know for now yeah we don't not sure but we do know we did have a series in 2000 uh and that was a five issue mini series with five one shots and we're going to talk about those comic books Right now, uh, Century mm-hmm. Number One, titled "The Suit," came cover date was September 2000. Uh, all these writer Paul Jenkins, Art J. Lee, right? I don't think there's any except for the uh, one shots. All right, one shots are different. So for these different these artists. five, we'll, we'll we'll mention them as we go through, so you don't get confused. Um, yes. So Robert Bob Reynolds is awakened by a flash of lightning. He's confused whether or not it was part of a storm or whether it was some sort of a message. He climbs out of bed, leaving his wife sleeping, and retrieves a book from the shelves in the next room. Inside the book is like a hollowed-out space, and in that space is a bottle of booze. He fears the lightning is alerting him to the fact that someone or something called the Void has returned. And then we go into a flashback mode, which is drawn in the style of Jack Kirby. And this is probably the thing that really pulled me into this series. Uh, Whenever he goes into flashback, it's sort of a trip down Marvel. Or an attempt at, you know, some of the attempts at doing these old styles are better than others. I think you'd agree with that. But you get the idea on all of them. Uh, And, yeah, they're all drawn in these old styles. And I really really enjoyed that, seeing them ape the old pulp uh, paper comics. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So Jordan, the style of Jack Kirby, features a young Robbie Reynolds discovering and drinking a professor's secret formula, the formula that granted him the powers of the century, complete with the power of a million exploding suns. The image of the formula is juxtaposed with the small bottle of alcohol. And he socks a baddie with his new powers and, like so many of the era, decides to sew himself a superhero costume and fight crime alongside his sidekick, Watchdog, who is his dog. Mm -hmm. uh, memories continue to flood into Reynolds' head. He remembers a time the Void battled the Avengers in order to draw out the sentry. Back in the present, Bob's dog scratches at the door. The pair exit to the backyard where more memories begin to stir and another swig of the hooch. Yes. Uh, we go into another flashback. This is kind of in a uh, Frank Miller style. Yep. Um, the sentry is no longer in his Silver Age gear. Uh, he's in a more uh, grim, even gritty gear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he is talking to a doctor who warns against using the super serum. As due to a tolerance he's building, he will have to imbibe more and more each time. There's a risk of dependency. Mm -hmm. Bob ignores the warning. After all, he's got a galaxy to save. Uh, in the present, Bob has re-entered his home, and he's tinkering with an item that he calls the Confluctor, which really just looks like clock pots. And he's still drinking. Uh, suddenly, he hears a voice. It would seem that the void has entered the body of his dog. Blackness swirls around the room. Bob panics. Bursts, a, bursts of light fire from his right hand. He yells at the void that he is not real. At this point, Bob's wife, as you would expect, has woken up and is pretty annoyed that both A, Bob kicked their dog, uh -huh. and B, Bob has been drinking. It seems to have knocked the dog out at best, right? Yes. The dog is on yeah. its side out. It's not. <laughs> yes, it's not a good scene. This was not a shove, yeah. No, no. Uh, now we get the impression that this is not an isolated incident. Um, Bob's wife decides it would be best to stay with a friend for a few days, and she's going to take the pets with her. Uh, Bob does not stop her. Uh, he looks at his closet where his quote-unquote costume is. The only thing hanging there is a raggedy coat that he puts on, and he affixes a bath towel to the back with clothespins. Uh, the conflictor, or clock, ticks over, and Bob seemingly takes flight. Yeah, and at this point in the story, we're like, uh, definitely for me, we're not sure what is really happening and what might be, mm -hmm. you know, in Bob's head, but... Uh, you know, it'll go on uh, as this, it'll unfold as the series progresses. But in the back of every issue, there's an interview between Joey Casada and Stan Lee. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called Stan's Scintillating Century Scoops, and this was installment number one. Um, and he's trying to get this skinny on the century. And then uh, Chris and I are going to try to reenact these for yes. your enjoyment and edification. And our embarrassment. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be Joe Casada here. Mm hmm. The story of how the Sentry was found after all these years reads like a comic itself, Stan. How did it happen? Hey, you know better than I. You tell him. Well, it's weird circumstances. Paul Jenkins just pulled something off the submission pile, and it was this lost file of stuff you and artist Artie Rosen had worked on. It looks like 1961. Later on in the uh, interview, Joe goes... But this was even before Fantastic Four number one, right? And Stan says, right. We were called Atlas Comics at the time. We were churning out a lot of monster comics then. I know that our publisher, Martin Goodman, wanted to try some heroic characters again. I developed the Fantastic Four and was to assign Jack Kirby to draw them as a part of the project. I may have assigned other artists to, a, to more new characters to draw. I know I came up with a bunch of ideas right off the bat. 
the entry the sentry seems to ring a bell in the deep recesses of what I laughingly call my mind. I like how we get to slight Jack Kirby here. Yeah, um, just a little, <laughs> little bit. Yeah, you were assigned this. <laughs> you hear that, lawyers? Yeah. Um, Joe continues. How did the sentry get his powers? Paul Jenkins, the writer of this strip, seems to have it down as I remember it. Bob Reynolds ingested a secret formula. So why, after all this planning, did the sentry get set aside and lay undiscovered so long? I seem to recall that he was too big. He was so powerful, he could destroy the entire Marvel Universe and everything we were planning. Mm-hmm. So we get a little bit of a, a little bit of insight as yeah. to the uh, to the reasons why he was first created and put on the shelf. Yeah, because you know, superheroes having too many powers is often a reason that they're not used, right? I think. <laughs> yeah, I think the last Superman story was printed in what the mid forties. Something like that. Right? Yeah, they were like, "Oh, this guy's <laughs> too powerful." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, that brings us to Sentry Number Two. It's called The Unicorn, October 2000. Uh, This is Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee still. Uh, We open with Bob Reynolds standing atop the scaffolding at the Baxter Building site, where he considers that he's he's not very, uh, he's got a dislike of heights. Yeah, I don't know why you're there, buddy, but all right. (laughs) He also thinks about his pudgy build, his taste for alcohol, and his appreciation for cartoons. He likes cartoons better than real stuff. Um, Flashback time. Now we're in a heavily lined style of 1990s extreme excess. Yeah. Uh, in the flashback, a familiar costumed character only referred to as Billy is impaled by the void. Uh, this flashback is interrupted by the arrival of Mr. Fantastic, who doesn't quite know what to make of this strange man hanging about. Uh, Bob informs Reed that he should recognize him, but Reed hasn't the foggiest clue what he's on about. Bob produces a red flower from his coat pocket and asks that Reed try and remember a wedding. And leaves him with the word unicorn. Uh, Reed takes a moment to consider, saying he can't remember. He doesn't remember. He somehow comes around the feeling that he's not allowed to remember. And by now, Bob is, he's vanished. He's got <laughs> Reed just standing there going, hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it, they don't tell you, but that took eight hours. So that was just Reed, Reed standing <laughs> yeah. there. I can't, I must, I won't. Uh, anyway. <laughs> hmm. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, back with the Fantastic Four, we got Johnny and Ben. They're uh, on the couch channel surfing. Uh, one of the channels has a news report about a strange black mess sighted over London. Sue enters the room and is shortly followed by Reed. He asks her if she remembers attending a wedding, and she's like, yeah, which one? Yeah, really. You know, we've been to a billion. <laughs> we had a billion. Um, Reed brings up the unicorn. <laughs> Reed brings up the word unicorn, and suddenly, as if, uh, you know, by design, they both look at a shelf that they hadn't looked at in a long time, and there is a, like a unicorn bust yeah. paperweight tchotchke thing on it. And underneath it is a VHS tape. Hmm, the plot thickens. It does. We rejoin Bob as he rides the subway home, which I guess his flight wore off or something, and we pop back into flashback. This time it's Startling Stories number 500, which features the wedding of the century, which is definitely a play, I would say, on the wedding of the century, which was a, and this is drawn in a very uh, John Byrne style. And pretty close to it, better than the uh, image stuff. But anyway, that's another editorializing by me Uh, in the flashback bob spills the beans about his secret identity to his betrothed not surprisingly she's already figured it out 
back that with happened her. a lot back then. it did all the time you silly goose i knew you were you know a superhero yep. the whole time and i still love you but uh who's asking superman or clock exactly you know like <laughs> what, what, what anyway <laughs> Uh, back with the Fantastic Four, Reed and Sue stare at the unicorn. Neither knows how Still. it got there or how There's another eight hours. Too. I know. They just love that. They have a lot of time to kill. When there's when the Galactus isn't around, the, the Fantastic Four stands around a lot. Um, neither knows how it got there, how long it's been there, but Sue mentions the oddest sense of deja vu. Uh, Reed suddenly enters flashback mode, and this is drawn in Jay Lee's style, although it's got kind of a sepia tone to it, so you know it's not current. Uh, he's giving the toast at Century's wedding. He is Bob's best man, uh, and yet he can't remember him. Afterward, Bob gives him the unicorn bus as a tacky thank you. You always get the worst gifts at these yeah. freaking weddings, you know. I have, I have so many cufflinks I'll never wear. I couldn't. I have a pewter cup I'll never use. I was going to say, a lot of shot glasses and, and mugs with lids. Yeah, exactly. Oh, great. <laughs> this would be real useful if I you know, need to run full blast drinking my coffee. Yes. So Reed laughs and says that Sue will love it, and Bob walks off. But I won't. That'd be funny. <laughs> Bob walks <laughs> off with his new bride and says to think of the unicorn as something to remember him by. Reed and Sue direct their attention to the video cassette, which is labeled Wedding Video. They pop that sucker in and are shocked to find Reed Richards addressing the camera. He's rather unkempt and unshaven, and he warns that they are viewing this message. They are all as good as dead. Yes. And that's where we leave off, and uh, we enter Stan's scintillating Sentry Scoop, Part 2. Joe Quesada starts, Stan, I guess we've been able to determine that the Sentry appeared in a few issues of Startling Stories, but I'm a huge Marvel zombie. How is it I never heard of this book? Some true believer you are, Quesada. Turn in your Foo membership card at the door on your way out. Mm-hmm. Joe continues, I guess we established in this issue that Bob, the Sentry, is an old friend of Reed Richards. It stands to reason. That was one of the things I really wanted to focus on as we built the Marvel Universe. That I would be the first true comic, that it would be the first true comic book universe with emphasis on the unit, meaning one. Everything that was part of the one and everything would take place on the same stage. Is Reed the best man? From what Paul Jenkins, the scripter of this series, has done, it sure does look like Reed is the best man here. And there may be some historical precedent for that, too. The Sentry and the Fantastic Four were two of Marvel's earliest pillars of heroism. Mm -hmm. And that takes us right into the Sentry number three, titled The Photograph, cover date November 2000. Uh, also, Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee. Now, the Sentry's walking, clothespins holding his cape on it on changed to stylized century S's, and the dingy towel he used for a cape suddenly becomes more flowing and regal-looking and more looking like a cape. Uh, he now finds himself standing before the Hulk, or to him, just Bruce, good old Bruce, his pal. Yeah. Uh, but before we do that, let's head back to the Fantastic Four. Uh, TV Reed is, war is sharing a warming... Warning with the first family, this is on the videotape, about the likely return of The Void. If a man claiming to be Robert Reynolds, the sentry, is to present himself, The Void cannot be far behind. Then their Sony brand, yes, this was the days before Marvel <laughs> Studios, so they would actually show this. I guess this now would be a Disney brand, right? Probably. It'd be like a Donald Duck's first VCR. <laughs> uh, it explodes, the VCR explodes, um, and that's why they all moved to DVDs. 
Yes. Back with Bob and Bruce, we get a touching reunion. Hulk refers to Bob as Golden Man and appears to be the only person who actually remembers him. Likely this is due to the change he undergoes, so says Bob. And that's fine. That's good enough, you know. So he Yeah, remembers, I don't quite get it, but sure, why not? Yeah, he remembers him as the Hulk, but not as Bruce, though, whatever. That's, that's good enough, that's, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of things. We're going to have, you know, you're going to have to just accept a few things as we go along. This is comic sure. books. Uh, Bob grabs a handful of soil and crushes it into a glowing golden ball. He handles, he hands the, it to Hulk and reinforces how important it is for him to remember. He warns him that the Void will be returning, and uh, the Hulk refers to him as Shadow Man. Elsewhere, some military types are checking out a quarantined area. It appears to be a village in ruin, and there is a dead elephant. We pick back up with Reed Richards as he checks his CCTV footage, and the focus is on the man he'd met earlier that evening. He runs an ID check through his records, and there's a 99.73 match with Robert Reynolds, deceased. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, apparently there's still... A 27% chance is not him. So, uh, point, sorry, point point. 0.27. <laughs> so, you know, that's uh, not a big deal. Crosscheck also reveals that Robert Reynolds is or was also known as Sentry. Mm-hmm. Realizing that much effort has been made in keeping this nebulous, Reed decides to check out his hard copy files in the basement. Uh, back with Bob, he is uh, seated among the gargoyles atop a building in New York City. He is shortly joined by Spider-Man, or to Bob, Peter. Peter doesn't know Bob, nor does he know who Peter is, naturally, (laughs) uh, which we should expect by now. Uh, Bob informs Spidey that a photo Peter Parker had taken of him had won him the Pulitzer Prize. He also mentions a skit about the two of them being played on The Tonight Show where they alluded to their being gay partners. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, it was all for the jokes, folks. (laughs) Uh, Spidey is still confused and just figures that this strange man is nuts. Uh, At this point, Bob leans off the roof and he hovers there. He doesn't plummet to his death. Uh, He reaches into that magical magical code of memories and produces the famous photo that Peter snapped. Now, I like when he he hovers, though, at first, you know, uh, Spider-Man's like, yeah, that's, that's not a big thing. You know, yeah. if, if it's in the Marvel universe, hovering is not going to prove anything. You know, there are no. people, there are people that you know, don't do anything else but hover. So you got to give me more than that, and that's why the, yeah, the yeah. picture g- comes out. That's true. Uh, this br- briefly brings us into flashback mode. This is in the style of John Romita Senior. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter looks at the photo that's presented to him, but how- however, it is just a blank piece of paper to him. Uh, Spidey's had enough, and he decides to split. Bob asks him if he's noticed that sometimes magazines are misnumbered. He tells him to check the misnumbered copies because that's where the answers will lie. Back with Reed in the basement, he finds a folder chock full of Sentry stories. Uh, he does exist, but if that if he exists, the Void also exists. Uh, Reed is joined at this time by Doctor Strange, whose appearance at this point in Marvel carried a lot more weight than it does now. Uh, we did not see the Doc back much around the turn of the century. Yeah. Um, now he's, you know, well, he's got a movie to promote. So he's yeah, everywhere. now he's in. Now he's in two of his own books, and I, I think he runs around with either one of the Avengers or one of the. I was gonna say he's part of many Avengers, Avengers, yeah, something teams, like yeah. that. Uh, now he warns Reed that his investigation into the subject will be to his detriment. He can either choose to continue reading or put the folders away. It's up to him how the universe will end. Which is kind of a crazy choice to give someone. Like, would you rather not know? You know, you yeah. might, this is something you'd ra- you might not want to know about. Do, so. do you want to see it coming? Exactly. This is this <laughs> is your chance. Um, and of course, we wrap that up with some sans scintillating century scoop installment number three. Yeah, Joe goes. Uh, I take it that he, the century, once had a central place in the Marvel universe. 
I seem to recall that was the case. The Sentry was going to be a massively powered force, and I wanted to set him up as one of the supporting columns of the mighty House of Ideas. And then we get some uh, sinisterness here with uh, Joe saying, it's almost as if the events of the book are playing themselves out right here. Bum, bum, bum. It would seem that way, wouldn't it? And that's a bit unsettling. I can't shake the feeling of danger I'm getting from this. Hmm. So we're going to go right back into that danger. We're coming towards the end of this miniseries. It's uh, Century mm-hmm. Number 4, The Conspiracy, December 2000. Again, written by Paul Jenkins, art by Jay Lee. We pick up with Reed and Doctor Strange chatting in the basement. Strange giving a Reed a look into the past. Strange himself is responsible for making sure nobody remembers the century, but only did so at Reed's request, and uh, apparently failed at it. But anyway, that's a yes. <laughs> that, that's for a later. You know, obviously he'll he'll get his uh, upbraiding later from management. Yes. Meanwhile, Archangel is doing some danger room training while Professor X looks on. The Sentry, who is now in full superhero costume, reaches out to form a sort of mind link with Xavier. After the professor doesn't know, at first the professor doesn't know what to make of it, but it comes around pretty quick. Got to figure a fellow who's never seen a mind he didn't want to wipe would have thought had a sort of tolerance for that kind of thing. But, you know, it's, it's uh, only good, I guess, when his bread is buttered on his side. Yes. Professor X quickly realizes what this means. The void is back. Uh, the X-Men, including Wolverine, who really only appears here because screw 90s comics. Note that Professor X seems shaken to his very core. Yes, we were we were too smart for the Chromium Age of Comics at yeah. this point. We were very uh, self-loathing about that. Kind very of thing. cool, too cool for that now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we don't like our foil covers. Just give us, give us, give us a few dozen variants. <laughs> um, <laughs> we check in with uh, the superheroes of Europe, or the SHE, as they are decimated by an unknown enemy who kind of looks dark and inky. Uh, we rejoin Peter Parker as he rummages through the Bugles archives. He asked Robbie Robertson why there's no record of Clarion. Now, Clarion was their weekly, it was the Daily Bugle's weekly magazine, like a supplement. Oh, all right. And he he asked why there's no record of Clarion issue number 743, to which Robbie replies that it doesn't exist because it's not allowed to. Now imagine yourself saying such a thing. Yeah, it's not a little. That's not, not too ominous, right? Yeah. Does this mean like Robbie is like at the core? Does he know? Does yeah, he is know he, something he, about this? Well, he's this in is the like Illuminati. Here. Obviously, vast-reaching conspiracy. <laughs> but all right. <laughs> now suddenly, a flood of memories hit Peter, and we get a panel in a John Romita Senior Vision uh, of him snapping that iconic picture of the Sentry. And uh, of note, we also see some Sentry-themed toys and knickknacks, like a watch and yeah. a flashlight and stuff like that. It's pretty neat stuff. Um, next up on our tour is Iron Man. Well, Tony, Tony, Tony Stark. Yeah. <laughs> Back before people cared about him, uh, he was greeted by the Sentry, and Tony uh, he recognizes Bob immediately, but he feels like he shouldn't. Uh, he doesn't know why. Bob is not pleased by this meeting. It gets kind of contentious pretty quick. And we get a, another uh, sort of Chromium Age flashback, uh, not totally in the you know the gritted teeth style. Yeah, uh, this is still drawn in Jay Lee style, but the you know the cover looks. I think we can call it like soft extreme. I would say that, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's funny, you know. What's interesting is that Jay Lee, he worked for Image, whatever. He doesn't. Yeah. He seems to struggle with this style, though. Of all these different styles, he seems to have a little trouble yeah. really pulling this off. And believe me, you get the idea. We know I we know what he's trying to do, but it doesn't seem to really hit it on all the notes. Whereas he does a pretty good Kirby, a pretty good John Romita Sr. John Byrne so. was good too. Yeah. John Byrne was good. It's just it's just a, a, a 
small observation, uh, yeah. and it, it works just fine, so I'm not complaining about it. I think it would have been neat if they actually got different artists for those bits. But that would. But then think about the the uh, paying. They wouldn't want to do that. The yeah. yeah. <laughs> when the movies come out, we'd have a. Oh, you want to? You don't want to know about that. <laughs> now, in this flashback, we have the Sentry standing before many of Marvel's heavy hitters: the Avengers, Fantastic Four, Doctor Strange. Uh, they acknowledge for all the good that the Sentry did. Uh, they they acknowledge that he did a lot of good for the world. However, decide for some sort of past indiscretion. That for all intents and purposes, he must die. The world must forget that he ever existed. And uh, it seems like Bob is kind of open to this as his fate. He accepts it. Um, In the present, Bob tells Tony that the void's coming back. And uh, Tony says, well, God help us all, and that's the end of that. Uh, We shift over to a young man who's in a pretty bad way. This is uh, the fellow we saw earlier. This is Billy, Bob's old partner. Uh, the one who got impaled a couple issues back mm-hmm. in flashback. Uh, he wakes up, his body is wrecked with scars, and he's missing most of his left arm. Uh, he wakes up with a head full of sentry-related memories. Uh, Bob returns to a certain neighborhood in New York City, and suddenly his old watchtower stands before him. Hmm. It's like a big, uh, crazy-looking tower. I can't ex- <laughs> It's like, yeah, it, it looks more like something that, just channels energy like it doesn't even yeah. look like something like from a this pylon planet. or something yeah uh it looks really weird and what's really crazy is it looks villainous <laughs> it, it does you're right you're right about it it looks evil and it, it's so it looks nothing else like nothing else in new york city and probably yeah. like nothing else in the world yet it's just part of new york city's skyline now you know that's it's fine <laughs> you know i'd be like ah, well it looks better than the freedom tower you know whatever sure, sure. <laughs> now we uh we hop into stan scintillating sentry scoop installment number four Joe starts us off. Well, Peter Parker seems to be getting a little closer. He's piecing together the mystery of the missing or misnumbered issues of Clarion, the Daily Bugle Weekly Mag. You know, that really seems to strike a chord in the sometimes dissonant rhythms of my mind. I seem to recall writing a strip in which Peter Parker took a photo of the century that won him a Pulitzer Prize. Or maybe it was a photo that could, just could have won him the Pulitzer Prize. All I know is that when I went to find the issue that Strip was in, I couldn't. Hmm. Wow, just like someone, just like Peter Parker. Hmm, what's this going is on? True. This is true. A life uh, imitating art here. <laughs> um, or the other way around. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> now we hop into the final issue of the miniseries proper, the century number five. Its title is The Betrayal, cover date January 2001, writer Jenkins, artist Lee. Uh, we open with the sentry reacquainting himself with his old headquarters, including his disembodied robotic companion, Clock. Uh, Clock tells Bob that he's been commanded via computer virus not to cooperate with him. There's a virus that was installed by the sentry himself, and the order was given by Reed Richards. And, and um, again, I'm not sure if you, a, we'd call that a virus or a program. To, you know, it doesn't hmm. really seem, but fine, that's fine. A virus that <laughs> commands you not to do something, whatever, we can live with it. Sure. Yes, it's not a protocol or nothing. It's a, yeah, it's a virus, sure. Um, now, Bob disables the advice, the, 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 the device by hand, and suddenly a wave of awareness hits worldwide. People all around the world begin to remember the sentry. We get, like, posters appearing on walls long neglected. Yeah, I really like that part where they're just like, a wall that that he hadn't really looked at. That's all it was. He just had kind of ignored it for a long time, and suddenly he could see that the poster was on there. Yep, and uh, we have our our friendly sidekick, Billy, here. He finds his superhero costume. He was known as Scout. 
Um, now, people remember the sentry, which, you know, it gives them a, a moment of uh, relief and happiness. But then they also remember that with the sentry comes the void. And uh, they are not very pleased with that. Uh, we go into flashback mode and we see the sentry lying dead. His uh, cape is tattered and on a post, looking somewhat like the cover of Superman 75, which I'm sure is no accident. Oh, definitely. I mean, it looks exactly like it. It's great. (laughs) Uh, We then move to the uh, Sentry's funeral. His eulogy is given by the same man who gave the toast at his wedding, Reed Richards. He opens with, the Sentry was a traitor. (gasps) I know. Mm. Clutch your pearls. Uh, (laughs) He continues, talking about the Sentry using his power for personal gain, and winds up at the point where he refers to him as nothing more than a common criminal. Bob remembers this because he saw this. Um, You know, he would have to see it to remember it. Yeah. And he did see it. Uh, Now, at this point, he no longer fears that he betrayed the world. Now he views himself as the victim of betrayal. Yeah, he's pretty pissed off at Reed right now. He's not a happy camper. There is more more to come on on that front, but for now, we'll rejoin sidekick Billy, who leaves his mother's house. Uh, flashes of sentry and scout dancing in his head. He doesn't appear happy to be leaving, but he's compelled to. Bob returns home to his wife, Lindy, and watchdog, who is fine now, by the way. Did, I did not. When he's I first saw that, I thought, did you just kill that dog? No. The dog, That's what I thought, too. The yeah. dog is fine. Uh, he, she runs up to him and apologizes for the way she's treated him and for forgetting. They have a brief reconciliation, and that's interrupted by the arrival of the Void, who grabs Lindy and threatens everything Bob loves. He then leaves, leaving a message within Lindy to give to the Sentry. You know the answer. Look inside. A storm rages, and Bob interrupts a news broadcast to inform the world, well, you know, America, the important world. hello, Americans. (laughs) Of his return (laughs) and everything that entails. He suggests that the Void is about to strike with a likely target of New York City, since that's where... Everything in the Marvel Universe happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the issue concludes with it being shown that Bob has convinced fellow heroes to side with him, and they all begin filing in at and around the Statue of Liberty, including Scout. And I just want to point out that Statue of Liberty is really a bad place to convene a lot of people because it's really difficult to get to, but I guess if you're a superhero, you have your ways and means. I mean, some of them, you know, I never understood how Spider-Man could swing over there. What is he? What is yeah. his web latched onto? There's no way, you know, like maybe he could get like as far as a little bit out into the bay, but I don't know. Anyway. That's about it. Yeah. He, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of strategic placing of boats and buoys. I guess it. so. Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> it's more shooting down most of the time. He's kind yes. of playing some some fast and loose physics. But uh, we wrap this one like the other ones up with uh, Sans scintillating Sentry Scoop installment number five. Yes. Now, Joe says in regard to the confusion, sur- confusion surrounding the Sentry, he says, so what's the reason? Stan replies, I seem to recall that the sentry had to go away for a while. He became so powerful that he lost his way. What's that mean? I think after a fashion that the sentry became addicted to his power, and that made him dangerous. There are definitely issues of addiction at play here. Remember, at the beginning of this tremendous and titanic tale, it looked like Bob Reynolds, the sentry, was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. After this, there are, like we said, there were five one-shots. One of them actually does complete the story. Uh, the other four of them, though, they sort of take place in this moment that we've left the book, uh, yeah. you know, where they're waiting for the void. They're all on Liberty Island and waiting for the void to come, and they're all now remembering their time with the Sentry uh, and what actually happened and what their relations are to the Sentry. Um, 
Four of these, the ones that aren't the void, I would say are not vital. You could no. read you could read the story and know everything you need to know, but I did feel like these issues kind of padded out this this thing like the sentry was the the they're alluding to the sentry was a very important Marvel character that was forgotten and kind of inserting him into event, ev, implied adventures. Uh, and I, I enjoyed it for what that was. You know what I mean? It wasn't sure. like it wasn't like the greatest thing I ever read, but I was like, well, I, I, I like the idea that uh, you know it's much bigger than we thought from issue yeah. one that this guy was like a member of the Avengers and he you know saved the world several times. But we'll give you a real brief uh, breakdowns for each of these one shots. Uh, Century X Men number one that was titled Century and the Angel of the X Men that was February two thousand one, uh, written by Paul Jenkins, art by Mark. Texiera? Does, does that sound good? Okay. Texiera? I usually Texiera, but I, Tex- I use the... I put the... I, I say Xavier, too. So. Yeah. Well, that's... Uh, who knows? <laughs> I it's like my X's. T-E-X. Uh, that's, uh, that's how we yeah, say it. Tex. Uh, story framed by Archangel giving... Uh, arriving to face the Void alongside his fellow heroes, like I was saying. A uh, flashback occurs during the time of the original five X-Men. This was in the 60s, Kirby and Lee, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he and Sentry fight a villain called the General. He'll be sort of important later on. And uh, Angel and Sentry share a moment. Angel learns a valuable lesson about failure versus falling. Mm-hmm. We also have uh, Sentry Hulk, number one. Title, The Sentry and the Hulk. Hey! Uh, <laughs> this, uh, these uh, these one-shots were weekly. Uh, so this is also February 2001. All right. Writer Paul Jenkins, artist Bill Sienkiewicz. Uh, we learned that the Sentry had always had a sort of calming effect on the Hulk. And for a time, the Hulk actually resided in the Watchtower. Now, you dug this one uh, pretty yeah. good, huh? I thought it was pretty cool, you know what I mean? And and it, it this one is sort of important for the last one in that this calming effect is, is the key to yeah. the whole thing. That that this is why they, uh, you know, they get along. And, and, and that Sentry said he was going to cure the Hulk eventually was the idea. But, yeah. but they imply through several of these stylized covers that really look a lot like, I don't know, uh, I guess that would be John Romita's senior time or who the hell, Don Heck, maybe they're trying to emulate, mm-hmm. um, that they had like a team-up book yeah. for a while, Century and the Hulk, and it's awesome. They're fighting the lobster people. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, there's a very campiness to it, but I really, I really enjoy, I think, I think Chris and a lot of people know by now that I love stuff like that when you do parodies and, and sure. you know, weirdo stuff like this. So I, I was <laughs> right in my wheelhouse. Uh, we also get the following week, or I'm not sure which order these came in. I, I, I think I think I put them in the order they were released, but I'm not totally sure. Yeah, you got the last uh, one right. That's the important one. <laughs> this is true. Uh, we have Sentry Fantastic Four number one, uh, title "Startling Stories Featuring the Sentry," February 2001. This is uh, written by Paul Jenkins with art by Phil Winslade. Uh, this is Reed reflecting on his friendship with Bob Reynolds. Uh, he thinks back to an adventure they had where they battled androids, the android pirates of Dimension Nine. Yeah, and that pretty much does sum that one up. Uh, Century sure. Spider-Man number one. This was Century and the Spider-Man. These are all well titled. I gotta say, you, you're not getting ripped off with these titles, right? You know, they're, <laughs> they're delivering on what they they're claim. Inspired, they, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was also February 2001, written by Paul Jenkins, art by Rick Leonardi. Spidey battles Doctor Octopus when the Sentry intervenes and helps a brother out. Sentry tells Spidey to settle down, and they form a sort of mentor-mentee relationship. The flashback continues and shifts to a time in which he and the Sentry battled the Void and came out successful. After this, Sentry allows Peter Parker to snap that iconic shot, which would have been done, which would don the cover of Clarion magazine, magazine, and earn Pete that. Pulitzer. Uh, 
Peter would find himself relatively rich and famous, but all that went away when the century died. Uh, this was really, I think, the most interesting of all of them because it, it yeah. has like a whole different story for Peter Parker that never, yeah, you know, it's a that, whole other future, yeah. You know, I mean, he was rich. This one, this one photo, and we see this actual photo several times in the book. Uh, it's <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous, and it, it, I, I can't really fault anybody because how are you going to take a picture of a guy in a superhero suit in any? Context that isn't going to look somewhat yeah. silly, you know, uh, but it is it looks it looks so ridiculous uh, But yeah, I found this one. I found this one probably the most interesting of these sure. four one shots because of this whole other Implied story this whole lore it added. Yeah, mm. it was great Which now none of these had uh, any of si- sand scintillating us uh, In no. any of these one shots except for the last one, but we'll get to that in a moment uh, The uh, final issue is called the Sentry versus the void number one uh, the title is The Truth, also came out February 2001. We're back to our regular uh, creative team of Jenkins and Lee. We start off with the heroes assembled at the base of the Statue of Liberty. It's not long before the void strikes and an all-out battle ensues. Uh, it's not only heroes, however. Even villains like Dr. Octopus are there to fight the good fight, even though he still plans to kill Spider-Man after they after <laughs> take yeah. out the void. It's like, what do you do after we kill the void? Oh, I'm going to kill you. Oh, oh, okay. Fair enough, then. And about 15 years later, he would. Um, (laughs) (laughs) In the midst of the battle, Doctor Strange meets up with Reed Richards, wherein it is shared that the Void is, in actuality, the dark part of the Sentry himself, which I'm pretty sure all the readers figured out. Yeah, although, uh, to be fair, I didn't, I mean, we didn't have a lot to go on, but I didn't figure it out until about the fourth issue. I was like, oh, Hmm. all right, now I see what's happening. So either I'm not that bright or it was fairly well. Uh, kept from you early on, but I don't know. This is true. Now, uh, it's also revealed that during the last uh, Void attack, over a million people were killed. Oh, wow. At this point, yeah, that's a lot of pe- That's a lot of folks. Yep. Uh, at, at that point, it was decided that it would perhaps be in the best interest of everybody if the sentry was put on ice. Uh, we hit that same flashback we hit earlier where the sentry was standing before the Marvel big guns, and we find out that his banishment was self-imposed. It was his idea that the world the world should forget about him. Uh, in order to give the world closure and perhaps a sort of a failsafe, uh, before wiping him out of existence, they had to both kill the sentry and his legacy. So they had to kind of run him through the dirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, in, they invented new facts, quote-unquote, about his being involved with organized crime and whatnot, stuff like that. They really wanted to sully his character. Perhaps in case the mind wipe didn't work. I mean, I, I mean, do you really think that's that's as necessary? You know what I mean? Like, if the, no, <laughs> the mind wipe works, then why? Who cares if you sully his character? But anyway, yeah. Uh, now at this point, uh, Reed finds himself forced to have to do the same thing. Uh, he's going to have to make the Sentry understand his duality, and he's going to have to force the world to forget again. Uh, Reed remantles the clocks, forget the the Sentry protocol. And bada-bing, bada-boom, we all forgot about the Sentry again. Uh, we get a lot of introspective, indulgent dialogue here, which was a bit purple, but yeah, all right. Yeah. Uh, we, um, you know, Reed and Sentry, they do share one final moment together, uh, just as Bob fades to black. You know, they, he's like, you know, you were the first of us, you were the best of us, it's going to suck to lose you again, basically. Um, and that's it. Yeah, uh, we next join. Much. Yeah, the, the for the uh, for the main story that's done. Uh, we uh, we get a little bit of an epilogue here. We join Bob and Lindy as they drive through a decimated New Jersey neighborhood. 
They've got the radio one, and it denotes that the damage is due to, well, not a battle between the Sentry of the Void, <laughs> but a massive hurricane. Nobody remembers the Sentry. Or do they? Mm. Bob and Lindy stop at the Burger Palace for some greasy eats. And Bob has a sudden flash to he and Scout shilling corn dogs for the same restaurant. Uh, when it's his time to order, he strokes his chin, smirks, and orders a chili dog. Look at that. So there's still a, some sort of a uh, little bit of a memory in there, or yeah. a door. The door is cracked open for or a delusion. I don't for know. Some sort, or he's having a delusion. We're not sure. Uh, eating a chili dog, I'd find to be somewhat delusional, but that's uh, my Jersey, opinion. Yeah. But uh, so we do find finish this one with the last stand, scintillating century scoop. So uh, mm -hmm. the final one. Yes, uh, Quesada goes, well, as far as endings go, that one was pretty elaborate. And it's a little ironic how things come full circle. In a way, we're right back where we started. Yep, but you have to ask yourself, is that truly a good thing? After all, right back where we started is where we were when the Void came back to life. That makes me just a bit edgy. Then we get Joe uh, a little bit later on says, well, it's rather sad that he didn't get to leave his legacy, to have people remember him. Maybe so, but in my eyes, that makes him all the more heroic. The Sentry gave up his legacy. He gave up his power. He gave up a huge portion of his life for the good of us all. That's sacrifice. That's a hero. The ending was pretty choice, too. Chili dog? What a walkaway line. I mean, what a way to end a story. <laughs> well, it's no rosebud, but it'll do. And that was good, uh, by the way, how Joe Casada really uh, patted himself on the back yeah. or patted, you know, Paul Jenkins and the Marvel Knights <laughs> people. What a brilliant book we just made. Don't yeah, you think that was genius the stuff? Greatest thing in the world, yeah. So that, that does wrap up the uh, original Century series. There was more to come after that, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, it all kind of ends very comic booky, kind of conveniently in a way, and, uh, sure. you know, maybe a little the wordy. The toys are put back in their box. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it ends. Appropriately, I, I was pretty happy with it. Yeah. So uh, we'll deal with some of the fallout from that uh, series. The second story arc for the Brian Bendis-led New Avengers title was dedicated to bringing the Sentry into the mainstream Marvel Universe, and it's called Sentry. Mm -hmm. Robert Reynolds surfaces in the raft, uh, the superhuman prison, where he's voluntarily incarcerated himself for killing his wife. During the first story arc, Breakout, Electro messed with the raft security and allowed many super-powered baddies to break out. During this, the Sentry tears Carnage in half, because at the time we felt like we were so much smarter and better than 90s, 1990s comics. <laughs> and actually, you can see this image right now on my uh, Twitter yes. page. That's my banner is him ripping up <laughs> Carnage. It's, it's unnecessarily gross, but that's yes. uh, it wouldn't be a comic if it didn't have that. Sure. Things get confusing when we learn that the only mention of Sentry in the Marvel Universe is in comic books. But we also mm. find out that Bob's wife, Lindy Lee, isn't dead at all. Yeah, didn't Bob, even know she was sick. No. <laughs> uh, Bob cannot remember his time as Sentry due to an implanted virus by X-Men villain Mastermind, as ordered by Sentry villain from Sentry X-Men number one, the General. So he does make a comeback. He does. And so do viruses doing weird things. <laughs> that seems to be a weird or turn of the century uh, yes, concept. Those, those words don't mean what you think they do. No. <laughs> uh, subconsciously, the Sentry implanted his own memories into the head of... Paul Jenkins, who wrote those mm. memories into a comic book. So that's, it was all real uh, historical events, folks. That's what he means. Yes. 
Uh, there's another fight with the Void, and, and for brevity's sake, just figure that he's going to fight the Void pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Sentry uh, winds up joining the new Avengers. Uh, at some point, his origin gets updated already from the uh, more innocent golden slash silver age superhero serum bit to his being a teenage junkie because, wow. you know, depth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> during Civil War, the less bad version, Sentry is aligned with Tony Stark's pro-registration side. In the wake of Civil War, the less bad one, the Avengers split. We had the new Avengers starring the anti-registration heroes and the mighty Avengers for the pro-registration. Sentry signed on with the mighties. Uh, Sentry would die in the event Siege after killing a fellow Avenger Ares, if you remember him, um, and pretty much wiping the floor with the rest of the team. He actually asks Thor to kill him, and Thor obliges. And I think... He uh, even takes his body to the sun to cremate it. Wow. Um, yeah. Later on, and perhaps currently, but I'm not sure because this was three Marvel nows ago, <laughs> uh, the Sentry has appeared as the Horseman of Death during issues of Uncanny Avengers from uh, 2013. Yeah, but who the heck knows? And, you know, isn't it weird to take a guy with the power of a million exploding suns? And put and, him in the sun. I mean, wouldn't he beat that sun? <laughs> He's got a million, you know, that's, that's just one sun versus his million suns. I don't know. It seems mm-hmm. like it wouldn't work. But yes. that, that's pretty much the strange story of the century, but we do mm-hmm. have a little more to uh, talk about as we come back from the break, yes. uh, which I'm not sure what it's going to be. That'll be an interesting thing to find out. But when <laughs> we come back, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to tell you uh, some more amazing facts about the century and uh, talk about some other Marvel events that uh, have a similarity to this. So stay tuned, and we will see you soon. This yes. man, he's drawn so many characters that we just all know and love and um, it's just a great pleasure to be here with him. Uh, first question I might ask is how does it feel to be known for such such a character? I never thought that this would happen before. I was all of 18 when I joined Marvel Comics. It was called Timely Comics at the time and uh, never, never in my imagination I'm all 88 years of age, let alone that way, but I feel blessed and I'm here and I love the fans and the excitement and roar of the crowds. And this just beats sitting in a rocking chair. This obviously, it it must be the fandom that keeps you going. I mean, the fact that you are who you are and you've drawn what you've drawn and so many people love you for it. Is that that exactly what keeps you going or is it something more? Nothing more. It's not the money. It's the people. They are my friends. They are not numbers to me. And I asked Stanley about a year or two ago at Orlando, I said, Stan, when are you going to take it easy? And he says, Alan, if I take it easy, I will fall apart. He has inspired me to go on, to draw for the fans, to talk to the fans, and the roar of the crowd that keeps me, gives me all that energy. And we're back uh, mm-hmm. with more about the century, that Marvel superhero that was, to, you know, invented in 1961 and uh, was lost to time and then came out after the death of... Artie Rosen, uh, which we talked about all in the first part, and now we're going to reveal the truth. The truth. In uh, Wizard Magazine number 116, uh, it turned out that the century was a creation of Paul Jenkins and Rick Veitch. 
<laughs> was originally envisioned as a pitch for Our Man at DC, which, considering the addiction element and the Our Man uses Miraclo and Sentry uses whatever the hell he was using <laughs> yes. uh, to give him powers, that makes little sense. Although I did notice that the power-giving serum seemed to kind of vanish towards the end of the series. You know, they were no longer it talking did. about it as much. Yeah, enough interest. You know, they there was that clock motif all the way through here, so you could definitely see that uh, this could have, you know, been an Hour Man story. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, I could see that. And uh, so uh, Veitch and Jenkins decided to try their luck at uh, Marvel's new Marvel Knights imprint. After all, uh, Paul and Jay Lee did just win an Eisner for their work with the brand. Um, now, the pitch was altered to be about an over-the-hill guy who was battling addiction and loved his dog. Uh, he was a guardian of sorts, and thus the name Sentry. And he kind of looked a... like the guardian, huh? Maybe a little bit? Okay. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Same color scheme. Yep. Uh, though he was originally going to be called the Centurion. <laughs> um, Marvel Knights editor Joe Quesada read the draft and crafted the plot for the hoax slash stunt. Uh, initially, the Silver Age creators of the Sentry were going to be known as Juan Pinkles and Chick Rivet which were anagrams of Paul Jenkins and Rick Feitch. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Casada wanted Jenkins to team up with Jay Lee, maybe get some of that inhuman synergy going. And so Veitch was outski. Yeah. And also the anagrammed creators went too. Yeah, which probably made sense because, I, you know, I think that uh, the a, a fellow named Juan working in major comics <laughs> yes. in, the, in the 30s and 40s, not likely. I'm just going to say not that likely. outright, but not impossible, no. I guess. Uh, and, I, you know, when, when you... I'll just say right now that you know I didn't I knew nothing of this at all till Chris brought it up and I find this so great you know what I mean that they really delved into creating this phony story and yeah so many people got stuck Wizard to it. on board they yeah. had Wizard they had Stanley on board they they did a really good job but was the stunt successful well we all know that the only way we measure success in comics is from sales and rankings dollar dollar yeah so uh, we'll tell you what those were for the time Century number one was ranked thirty one for the month. It sold 44,413 copies. Century number two was ranked 54 for the month. That sold 33,221 copies. And the, Century. The curiosity went down a little bit. It went down about 10,000 10, people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or 10,000 comic books, at least. And there were no yeah. variants in these, too, right? Am, am I right about nope. that? Yeah. No variants. Uh, Century number three was ranked number 62 for the month, and that sold. 32,878 copies, so it's shedding slower. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Century number four uh, actually went up. It ranked uh, number 60 for the month and sold 33,063 copies. Uh, Century number five ranked 67th for the month um, and somehow sold more. Hmm. I guess that was a good month for comics. Yeah, or, uh, or a 30... heavy month for comics. At least. <laughs> also true. Uh, sold 33,592 copies. And the next one you're gonna you're gonna talk about was the highest selling yeah, I think issue. That, I think there might have been a reason for that, and I think it'll be revealed yes. right in the title that was century x-men number one ranked number 20 for the month 20 yeah it's like it's like night and day you know what i mean it's like a mm -hmm. whole it's truly a whole you could think it was a whole different comic not even part of this uh whole yeah. event that sold 44,701 copies spider century spider-man uh i think these are all number ones technically right yeah whatever it was uh number one and only ranked number 54 for the month that sold 34,734 copies and Century Fantastic Four ranked 50, 59 for the month. That sold 33,509 copies. 
Uh, the last two issues here, we have uh, Century Hulk, ranked number 66 for the month, uh, sold 31,972 copies. And we got to remember that the uh, these one-shots all came out the same month. Mm -hmm. So uh, pretty good for, uh, for, you know, a side miniseries. Yeah, taken cumulatively, uh, it's actually quite impressive. You know, they it is quite a, it is. a number of comics, but they are, you know, f four of them or five sure. ultimately. <laughs> And uh, the final issue here is Century vs. the Void, ranked number 61 for the month and sold 33,365 copies. Mm. Um, I don't think we can say it was unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, it's not likely that Marvel was trying to usurp the X-Men for their number one spot. You know, that would come years later. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> however, you know, it is hard to say how many folks were drawn in by the stunt and how many bought it because it was a book with the word Marvel on it. I mean, it's it, this is all you know Monday Monday night quarterback or they call it, uh, quarterback Monday morning quarterback Monday yeah. morning quarterbacking. Yeah, I should really learn my terms and about sports before <laughs> I use them. But uh, you know, after after it settled after that number one that sold forty four number ones are always going to go high. It seemed yeah. it seemed to hang in around thirty three five hundred, which about that. which tells Except me for that, that uh, Except for that X Men issue. Of course, you know, so X Men yeah. did its X Men thing, but the rest of them. They kind of stayed around 33,500, which tells me there were people, or Im implies to me that people were, were reading and liked the story. Uh, sure. That it, it didn't, because you can tell when a book is tanking, it's shedding 10,000 or more. Big time, yeah. And this wasn't. This was kind of just hanging around this this area. Uh, but I don't really know. It. I don't think it was, you know, huge for Marvel. But uh, you know, they, no. they they pushed a good number of comics, and it never dipped below that fabled. Uh, that's more of a modern cutoff, but the 20,000 yeah. that makes it, you know. Unprofitable, supposedly. So, uh, and plus, they got a new character out of the deal. So, they did. Um, there's that, and he did get dragged out, as we mentioned several other times. Maybe not in the best ways. Uh, Chris found this great quote from Tomorrow's.com. This is a huge uh, resource for us, by the way. Yeah. Uh, it's called, titled "Kirby as a Genre" from Jack Kirby Collector Number Thirty. That's November 2000. Written by Adam McGovern, and he wrote. Uh, Marvel's limited series, The Century, about midway through its run as you read this, is not only captivating Alan Moore-esque odyssey through a pop culture history, it's also based on an abandoned character developed by Stan Lee and Artie Rosen to be Marvel's flagship superhero before the Fantastic Four. So while it remains true that Jack Kirby's collaboration is indispensable to Marvel, as we know it, the recollections of his flying in the window with the fully formed Marvel Universe in his hand as the furniture flew out the door in the hands of Repo Men, seems to have been a bit exaggerated. So a comics historian bought this. <laughs> it's it's totally. I mean, when I saw the name Artie Rosen at first, it it read totally fine to me. I was like, yeah, that sounds. There's about a reason right. for that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, well, and we will, you know, we'll it'll explain that in a minute. But but also because. It sounds like a name from the 30s, you know, in the 40s. Of like, I mean, it's like you could probably do a whole podcast on just people named Artie in comics over the <laughs> years, you know what I mean? So it, a lot of it seemed really authentic. And the idea that, uh, and we're again, we're going to get into this in a minute, the, yeah. the idea that we could forget somebody, you know, that had contributed to comics, There, it, there's so many unknown people that are, that drew yeah, comics from that era. Yeah. So it's, again, like I, I could see how this guy would be like, yeah, this sounds like it could have happened, and it's exciting. Now, a uh, good thing for Marvel that Stan Lee was on board from the get-go, and it's a good thing that in his many interviews he he always he always discusses his spotty memory. 
Yeah. Because, I mean, how, how many pages did this guy write? A million? Absolutely. You know? And not, and not only so, discusses his spotty memory, but has an actual spotty memory. Like, he'll say sure. things that we know not to be totally, you know, right. Yeah, but, I mean, you know. And, and what is he, like, 90-something now? I know, yeah. <laughs> He's earned it. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and he, like we said here, he's always, you know, doesn't remember. Oh, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. So he could actually get away with not remembering the sentry. Uh, however, he did speak fondly about Artie Rosen. Which is strange because Artie Rosen never existed. Hmm. Hmm. It was helpful to this stunt that creator credits weren't really a thing in the Golden Age. There's probably been tons of prolific folks from that era who went their entire lives uncredited. Sure, yeah. Now, his name was a mishmash of longtime Marvel editors, Artie Simak and Sam Rosen. Uh, anyone who's read the Marvel Essential line, you know, like the phone book size trades, you see these names constantly all the time yeah it's 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 not it's that, and that i think that's part of what made it reason i was so, like yeah, yeah those names sound familiar it's one that of those, it, right. it tickles the back of your brain it's mm-hmm. like i've heard of that i know that name um now the lost sketches that appeared in like wizard magazine those were all drawn by uh, john ramita senior good deal yeah now uh what what do you think about this what, what do you make of it well now i only read the Books that we detailed. I didn't read yeah. any of the Bendis stuff, any of the other, you know. But what I read, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I, I think I said that it was there was little, little preciousness to it, although not more so than Sandman or. Sure. And and from, coming from a DC guy, I think you can understand that this felt a lot like a Vertigo type title to me, although Absolutely. well steeped in the Marvel universe. I mean, almost like surprisingly so. I, I told Chris that I'd been under the impression that Marvel Knights. Could only use some of the characters, but I was under that wrong impression because they use everybody, including yep. superheroes of Europe and whatever else. I mean, they really kind of dig a little deep in this thing. So, uh, it, it, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It, it ended it, by the end. I kind of knew what had to happen, and it kind of happened in a very comic booky way. I think I described it like. Uh, you know, Reed Richards flipped the MacGuffin switch to on, yeah. and that was it. You know, <laughs> pretty much that's pretty much how it ended. But the 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 you know journey that you take, and not knowing at the time, I could see not knowing at the time that it was a you know fake yeah. backstory, really does increase the interest. And it kind of like it's it's like Stanley said in that interview that the events of real life are playing out in the comic book and. Uh, I guess, in a sense, vice versa, although we learned that that's not actually true. No. So uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it, and I, I appreciate having read it. You know, when you pitched this, uh, when you talked about doing this, I was like, all right, you know, whatever, this will be interesting. But this was a good series. I would recommend it to hmm. people. Uh, unfortunately, there's no one trade, but they are all on the Marvel app, and I'm sure you can get them Yeah, Comixology or whatever if you just want to buy the individual issues. And I, you know, the the comics internet back then wasn't what it is now, where you know this kind of thing couldn't happen now. I don't think so, yeah. Because you know we have, we have a whole legion of pseudo journalists who would dedicate themselves to disproving it, uh-huh. and would take great pleasure in doing so. Um, back then, and, I and, don't. And think nowadays, I... just to say, it now it can be disproven. Like the the resources weren't sure. there to do that kind of uh, absolute armchair research. Now you can. Absolutely, and uh, I, you know, I, I, I think when this was coming out, it was because uh, I, I did buy this as it was coming out. I was, you know, I. I I've bought every Marvel comic for like a decade wow. <laughs> until Civil War. Uh, I bought just about everything Marvel put out. Um, 
And uh, I was getting this month to month or week to week in the in that one month. And I think I wanted to believe uh-huh. that this was, uh, you know, I think I think, I, I think uh, just people in general have a, a thing that I, I call history envy. You all want to be there for history. You all want to be there for a historic moment. You want to say you were there. Yeah. And uh, for them to, you know, uncover this long lost character is like, ooh, it's like you felt like you were there. You felt like you were on the cusp of something. And uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of us were, uh, you know, cynical about it. But I, I think I really wanted it to be a real thing. Mm-hmm. I wanted this to be legit. And I, I was hoping that, you know, years down the line, more and more would come out. Um, well, it's exciting. You know, it's almost like yeah, a shadow history. You know what I mean? And you're getting exactly. you're getting into the ground floor and you're just like, all right. I, you know, I was I could tell people in 10 years yeah. of the real backstory of the century because it'll obviously be the most popular <laughs> character in comics you know it'll be huge uh you know after people see the fifth century movie i can say well you want to know the real story yeah (laughs) no this is you know how many people tuned in to watch geraldo open al capone's vault i I was there i watched you know exactly two hours that i would waste of time (laughs) absolutely it's 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 kind of what i'd compare it to it's uh you know just to say you were there it's uh i was hopeful it was real always in the back of my head i kind of knew it wasn't yeah. Um, well, you know, but after the fact, we can look at it and say this is probably one of the most derivative characters ever. You know, I mean, like it's oh, 100%. it's basically Superman it's in Superman. the Guardians, you know, clothing, and you know, it's like yeah. it's with a little bit of Hour Man. It's like, but in the middle of it, and and learning about the character, and he is well, he's fleshed out, well characterized as a tortured person. You know what I mean? He's sure. very conflicted, very, working through some stuff. It's easy not to think about that, not to see that. You know, it's. After the fact, hindsight's always an exact science, but after the fact, it's easy to be like, oh, that was so obvious, but I can definitely see being in there, it's not so obvious, and he looks like a no. silly, you know, early age, early time a character, relic. like yeah. a silver age character. And just the fact that they were able to get, like, Wizard on board, it's, and especially the, uh, that note in an issue of, a random issue of Daredevil, mm-hmm. in the letters page, brilliant, you yeah. know, it's like, who would have ever thought? That they would just dedicate, you know, five or six lines to discussing someone who doesn't exist being sick. Yeah. And that it was actually going to turn into something. I could see that being a, definitely a point to support, you know, arguments of whether he's legitimate or not. Be like, well, if he was yeah. not legitimate, why would they bother with this thing over here? Exactly. Uh, that's that's a devious fellow, that Joe Casada. Yeah. He's. Uh... <laughs> and just the announcing the death of uh, of Rosen in that issue of Wizard, they don't mention the Sentry at all. Right. It's just a it's just a hey, we want to remember this guy. Yeah. And then it's two months later that they do. It, it's so so great how it worked out. It's a. Uh, Definitely a relic of print media that we'll probably never see again. It, it couldn't happen. I mean, so so no. today, something like that, let's say we did this today, you'd have to give, you know, it would have to be whatever, Newsarama would get the... Yeah, you'd have to get, like, Bleeding Cool to shut up, you yeah, know? I mean, that's the thing. They, they, they would, Newsarama would do the obituary, let's say, but then every yeah. other site would be pouncing on it to disprove mm-hmm. it, you know? And it, it would get disproved. I mean, it's... Quickly. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not impossible to find out whether these things existed, whether these people... I mean, I'm sure you could even just... Some people would just look at the sketches and say... That's uh, that's Ramita. That's Ramita, yeah. boy. You know, I can tell. But uh, it it do, it just does seem like a lot of fun, and it's and I don't know how people took it. Comics fans, as even though they read 
things called comics are not known for having a great sense of humor. <laughs> but um, I, I, you know, I found it great now, and I think I would have really enjoyed it at the time. Just the the reveal, especially, been like, oh my god, sure. they pulled the wool and they did it so expertly. But it wasn't the first ever stunt, uh, and it won't be the last uh, stunt in <laughs> comics. Um, Chris compiled just a handful here, but these are all right in the money. The one we talked about. Gosh, several months ago now was the yeah. You Decide. That's the one uh, came out with Marvel and uh, the Hulk, right? Was that the other uh, one? Ultimate Adventures and right. uh, Captain Marvel. That's right. That's and, Captain Marvel I'm thinking of. And I wanted to mention this then, but I wanted to hold off because I thought this could be its own episode. Because that was going to be one of the litany of, uh, of, of you know, of stunts. And, yeah. uh but I thought this one kind of had legs and could be its own thing. I think I think you were you were right to do that because we had to you know if you'd revealed you know century, yeah. the, the phony superhero you kind of would have tipped the hand too early. Uh, <laughs> there was also Steve Gerber's Malibu series, The Exiles, which we'll get to sometime. Yeah. And uh, the writer X of Marvel's The Brotherhood, which was another you know who is the writer or whatever, yeah. uh, the secret the secret person, and also just the things that came to my mind. I mean. Stunts in comics, comics themselves are sort of a stunt in and of themselves. Sure. But you know, they're, they're for years there's been you know, send in your picture, get your image in uh, you know, Superman versus Muhammad Ali, or you know, write my story for me and I'll send you ten bucks type things. And you'll get, you'll get <laughs> your name printed and, and everything nice. Yeah, exactly. So you know, it's it's will keep happening. But this one I have to say was a well formed, satisfying stunt sure. that actually did generate some interesting comics, not just. Crap, you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, I, I, I'm, I'm for it. I'm for this level of stunt. I don't know about you decide, which is enjoyable <laughs> in another way, but not in the same yeah. way. <laughs> it's that Schadenfreude thing, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, um, you know, just to close out here, this is something we're going to talk about uh, in much more in depth uh, in a different episode that we're currently working on now. Um, this is just adding characters to a shared universe. You know, regardless of how successful the century was, both as a stunt and as a character and as a, you know, a published work, it actually does add to Marvel lore and does provide a new character to the Pantheon, which we do not get often, mm-hmm. if ever. Any more, hardly ever, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we don't know if uh, Jenkins or Lee or even Veitch got any... I, you know, I, in, I think it's in movie terms as like points. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if they got any of that for this character for you know subsequent reprints or movie rights or wherever the hell he's going to wind up in you know in the Avengers or whatever. Um, but that's going to be a phenomenon we'll be discussing in far greater detail when we cover the creator's bill of rights in the hopefully not too distant future. Yeah, we got ideas. We're talking. We're working on it. Uh, yeah, other things coming up before then, but we sure. will be talking about the creator's bill of rights and how that all works out. Um, but if you have some comments on the century or on comic book gimmicks, if you like this gimmick, if you thought it was a... Uh, Sneaky trick that they played on you or you know something that was brought up earlier if you thought it was sort of impugned Kirby's legacy as the you know Originator of the Marvel Universe by placing someone for him. Please. We'd like you to write into us Let us know what you think at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com And if you were there at the time Let us know if you bought it, you know, let let us know and not just bought the books, but bought the hoax Yeah, exactly. Did you did you buy into it? Did you believe it from the beginning? And yeah. you know, let us yeah, if you did or you didn't, let us know your thoughts on that and why you did or didn't, if you can remember. Sure. 
Uh, you, you can that was only a few years ago, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> that, we we fall to that trip. That was only a few years ago. You know, freaking eight presidential ago. terms ago <laughs> is what it was. Uh, you can, you know, find our writings every week on weirdsciencedccomics.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Reggie Reggie. I'm at Ace Comics. And uh, every single day, you got to go check out Chris's personal blog. That's Chris is on infiniteearth.blogspot.com. You got to be closing in in a year right now. I'm about three weeks away. You are three weeks away from 365. 366. 66. Is that the, so you're going to go? It was a leap year. Oh, all right. Yeah. You really screwed <laughs> yourself. You really picked the wrong year. I did. But uh, yeah, you're, you're about to. So yeah, in three weeks, we will be popping a cork and uh, having mm-hmm. a celebration for a full year of nonstop. Never missed a day. Never uh, missed a day. Great stuff over there. It's a DC comic or a Vertigo sometimes. It's some DC related type Even thing. Even Wildstorm. Right? Wildstorm. But it's, it's in, the, in the family. Yeah. Um, Every single day, got some great insights, shows ads at the bottom. Um, yeah, I recommend, I always recommend it. And if you're not looking at it, you're missing out. But I think that's all we got from this week about the uh, century. You got anything else for him, Chris? Nope, I think that'll do it. Well, until two Sundays from now, I'd like you to keep it weird historically. See you.